0: From recruiting and consulting firm, RiderFlex, I'm your host, Steve Urban, and here is your RyderFlex episode of the day. And on today's episode of the RyderFlex podcast, we have my friend, Jacob Crabtree. He's the co-founder and CEO at Columbia Hemp Trading Company, based in Oregon. How you doing, Jacob? I'm good. Yourself? Thank you so much, man. I love that view. You know, we, I was thinking, <laughs> well, if you're in the car, it may not be Good, but, man, the lighting is great.
1: With the, yeah, well, beautiful Oregon day. When it's like this, it's hard to beat.
0: Plus, your audio is excellent. So thanks for pulling over and jumping on the Rider Flex podcast. And Fascinating story. I think um, the listeners are going to enjoy hearing, uh, you know, uh, the Jacob type timeline and how you decided to go into cannabis and hemp. I'm so glad that you took the time. So before we get into Columbia Hemp, tell us the Jacob story. Like where's he from, you know, where do you go to school a little bit about his family? Give us some personal stuff.
1: Sure. Well, I'm, uh, you know, one of the few kind of born and raised Oregonians here actually. So I grew up in a small farming town, uh, just outside of Portland. And, okay. you know, my whole family has been in Oregon for a long time and went to school here. Uh, went to university of Oregon, went down a path of more of a medical career. Um, you know, human physiology, uh, really the kind of that, you know, the body and, and all the science behind it really interested me at that time. And oh, okay. And business was, I don't know, maybe boring to me at that time. And so <laughs> if I started in a kind of finance direction. I ended up more science side and it was always my intention to come out and do physical therapy and things like that. Um, but kind of got drawn into small business and entrepreneurship really Uh, shortly after
0: college. Did that come, where'd you get that bug? Did that come from one of your parents or where'd you get that entrepreneurial bug? You know, my,
1: my dad's owned like a lumber broken business since I was a kid. Um, I'm not sure that that was kind of the, what rubbed off on me. Um, You know, for me, I came out of college and Needed a couple bucks. So I was helping some friends who had just uh, owned a gymnastics facility of all things. And that led into pretty quickly me jumping in on other projects while I was kind of getting ready to go back to school. Um, six months or maybe taking on really an ownership role at that. Um, stayed there for six years and at that time really started to get business and coaching advice from. Um, you know, a previous manager at Intel and he was a really good guide for me to start understanding, you know, how do you manage a business and how do you manage people? And that was really the start of my, I guess, small business career. And from there jumped into real estate, um, a few other smaller projects, some successes, some failures, Mm. which is to be expected and completely by chance ran into an old college friend who, you know, had just started a cannabis company and I knew nothing about it.
0: <laughs> now what year, what, what year was this? So this was 2016. 2016. And who are you working for at, the, at, at that, at that moment? Who are you working for? I was uh, doing
1: real estate at that time. So okay. a little independent right. okay. um, commercial real estate and, you know, just kind of getting off the ground there. So I had some work to do and,
0: now now your dad didn't say hey come come help me with my company. There was never you didn't have that pool. Uh no, no. I mean, I think
1: that could have been a direction, <laughs> but uh I never had that interest.
0: Never had that interest. Okay. All right. I'm uh probably a little too
1: you know, bullheaded or opinionated for that. Kind of thing. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, that kind of mind is like, I'll just do it on my own.
0: And okay. So, now, all right. Now, were you, were, were you making a good living in, in, in your real estate up, your real estate stuff at that time? You were doing fine. Everything's going great. And you just happened to meet this friend that's in cannabis. I wouldn't say
1: I was, I was young still at that point, And I, okay. I wouldn't say I was making a, a good living, but I was certainly getting by and okay. You know, the gymnastics facility, that was a really good learning experience for me. But a lot of these businesses that i had been involved in were kind of low margin businesses. And so we were there as, as owners just trying to crack through and, and make it, you know, okay. and make it big. Um, okay. But okay. to be, you know, as I look back 10 years ago, it's very, um, my understanding of business and you know, what was possible is pretty narrow.
0: Now um, and and how did you see yourself at this time uh, when you met this friend before we go get into that conversation? Yeah. Did, you, did you see yourself as an operations guy, a sales guy, an overall kind of? I mean, how did you bucket yourself at that point?
1: Yeah, uh, very much operational. Okay. Um, okay. You know, I think like a natural role for me is more as a like COO type. Okay. Type role.
0: Um keep the train on time, get everybody to play nice together in the sandbox, make sure project management's going well. I mean, you were just naturally gifted at that, that kind of stuff.
1: I think for me, you know, I'm, I'm fairly even keel kind of, you know, even tempered person. And so management, people management comes pretty naturally to me. Okay. Um, you know, where I've grown a lot, um, you know, with the help of like my current COO has been on the more financial side. Okay, great. Um, but yeah, I have very much an operational mindset. I kind of try and think, you know, step one, step two, step three. And, and yep. as I was getting into the cannabis side, they tried to stick me into a sales role, funny enough. And that's, uh, <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm not good at it. And gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. You, got you. So, so you met this friend. What you, what you're at like, a, you're at like a, one of those cool Oregon bars one night and he walks in and he's like, Hey man, I'm starting a cannabis company. Why don't you come over here? Walk us through that.
1: I mean, lit, almost exactly. That is I was walking down the street. It was, I want to say February It's pretty cold out. And there was an outdoor brew fest going on just in downtown Portland. And I ran into him and he goes, Hey, you know, a friend of his and himself were starting this vaporizer company. Here's a vaporizer, you know, like and check a, it out.
0: And like hands it to you and you're like, okay. And he hands it to me, this
1: little <laughs> kit, you know, and I'm like, well, I don't know what this is, but cool. Like I'll, I'll take it. I'm having a drink. I'll smoke that. And, uh, and, um, you know, they said they needed help and what was I doing at that time? And I was still kind of onboarding into the real estate. So I said, I have some time to help operationally and, Okay. Let me see what I do. That company um, was Select Strains, if you know that. And okay, it would, turned out to be, I would say, probably the premier vaporizer company in the industry. And great, it was a wild six months of. I've been getting into dispensaries as the Oregon market was transitioning from a medical to a recreational state. Okay. Um, and six months later you know that got acquired by um, Kira the, a now bigger um, cannabis company and we kind of merged those together and, and and that was really the ride of that I didn't stay much longer after that but it was a really fascinating first look into the industry
0: well now what did, what did your folks say what did your parents say when you said, hey I'm going to work in the cannabis industry <laughs>
1: uh-huh. <laughs> to be completely honest I uh, I they don't. They, they, they
0: still. You, oh,
1: I was gonna say they still don't know. No, uh, it took a while to, and they have no issues with it. Like they're great people, and you know, not, not judging. You know, my choices, but I told them I was working in the medical field. <laughs> it was a, it wasn't you know? It was a white lie. <laughs> that's that's so, pretty good. So I told them that for a while until we started to see some success. Right. Um and then, you know, we started getting some publicity and then at that point it was like, you know, the stigma's fallen away pretty quick on this and it's right. legitimized and it's um something that I, you know, was comfortable kind of sharing with my
0: family. Okay. Although although I will say in twenty sixteen, right just in the three years, it's gotten a lot more, people have gotten a lot more comfortable putting it on their LinkedIn and putting it on their resume. I mean, three years ago, even people were still trying to hide. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, there's still a bit of that, you know, but I, I think, and especially with hemp now being federally legal, right? it's completely legitimized it. And I think, you know, as a team, here, are not jumping too far ahead. We've tried to really bring industry professionals out from right. yep. translatable industries. Yep. To give us even more legitimacy, and so that's something that we're pretty um, prudent on. If, if just building a team that has been there and done that,
0: it, it definitely has changed. In fact, at Rider Flex, uh, I mean, uh, the last several executives we've placed have been from Mobile Exxon, Coca Cola, uh, a bunch of others, um, you know, major brand names. So, yeah, that whole stigma and being worried about that, yeah, that's that's almost over. Uh, cause, mm-hmm. cause you know, everybody's jumping in. So this company, you go to work for this company with your friends, it, it gets acquired. And and then all of a sudden you find yourself out of a job and looking for next, or you, you made a little money on that when, when that got acquired and you took a little time off. What happened there in your life? Talk to us um, about that.
1: Made enough to kind of keep going for a while, but it was right at that time. Um, you know, one of the other founders and I kind of split off to go work in private equity. Okay. Um. And so, and that's where you and I first got introduced. Um, yep. yep. As I was building out that sales team, and so I was tasked with supporting operations of investments that they were making. Okay. Um. And, and working at the kind of company level as mm-hmm. they were doing that. Hmm. So that took on a variety of roles, uh, primarily in kind of a sales and branded portfolio company. Uh, but they had made investments into manufacturing uh, CO2 extraction machines, um, cultivation. Mm-hmm. They were even doing still production outside of the States. Um, and so that gave me even more well-rounded look into the industry and gotcha. the vaporizer side. And now building on that, seeing it from both kind of the private equity side, which is really interesting, mm-hmm. but also deploying those into operations was um, more in my wheelhouse and, Yep. That ultimately, you know, three years later led me um, to co-packing as they made an investment into a co-packer. And that just completely intrigued me um, more on the food and beverage manufacturing side. So I jumped on board as director of operations, uh, director of sales and operations for a company called high Foods and, and stayed there for about two years as that went from, you know, and a completely brand new company. We were just opening our doors to really a state of the art facility. Mm-hmm. Um, it was doing manufacturing of cannabis products, marijuana products um, helped build out. Um, you know, I wasn't too much on the build outside, but operationally facilities in Washington, the Oregon one was in place and down in California. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was looking at Columbia hemp, they were going through their Series A, but that ultimately ended up an acquisition by um, Acreage Holdings.
0: Ah, I see. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. So you know the the common thread here is I tend to get out right as is, is the good thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but but during this time, not only are you honing your executive level operational skills, but just the startup experience, everything about you know, working in a startup and everything about working in a hemp or cannabis company. I mean, it's just tons of experience and value that's happening over this period. And, mm-hmm. and then what happens you, do you meet the, uh, your, your co-founder partner for Columbia hemp? Do you, do you, how, how do you know that, uh, that person already? How were you connected?
1: Yeah. You know, it's a small industry and, um, Oregon's yep. even smaller. And so we had ran into each other a few times, but he, he came by one day and we were talking and he kind of shared this idea that he had of creating a physical marketplace for hemp. Um, and he's truly, you know, a visionary and and that's really his role in our company as well. Um, but he came with an idea and, you know, we kind of talked about the pitfalls of the industry in the previous year, the hemp industry and Mm -hmm. how we saw farmers, you know, leaving product in the field because there's no infrastructure for them to go and stabilize their, their crop. Mm. Um, and I really listened to it and and the initial intent from my lens was, okay, let's create a funnel to build feedstock so I can put that into the co-packer and we can have unlimited supply of CBD Mm. while we work in the adult use markets on the THC products. And so, the whole idea was to always tie it together with a co-packer. Um, okay. And so, you know, he came to me, he said, you know, I want you to be CEO there and let's start this thing. And we did months and months of, uh, budgeting and performance and planning to try and get this off the ground.
0: And, and, and you and him are going to bootstrap this thing or you immediately went out out for, okay. So you bootstrapped it personally. All right. Well, we bootstrapped it and the,
1: you know, we, we had somebody that was committed to bring money in, um, but really, at the eleventh hour there it was the money was no longer there, so it was Oof. required to bootstrap it and you know have vendors you know finance us even though they that wasn't the intention, but you know we it wasn't our intention it was just we had to get going and we had a great product market fit as a company
0: and so let me just take a pause right there for the listeners so in other yeah. words, you had vendors do able to do some work for you and you were hoping you you you, you couldn't pay them. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a bridge there.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a bridge there, you know, um, best intentions sometimes don't work out that way. And, you know, it was a rough, rocky start, but we, you know, we're primarily a drying facility. And so we decided to start designing dryers back in, I want to say, maybe April of 2018. Okay. so we were designing these dryers and starting to build them in July to have them on site in September. <clears throat> and all the while we're putting together our funding and that commitments there and then kind of fell through at the end. So what we had to do is just start the operation, bring in the revenue to pay these off as quick as possible. And fortunately, we, you know, we had great, um, partners there that understood where we're at. And, mm-hmm. Were there some uh, sleep,
0: was some sleepless nights there uh, during those months? I mean, there's still sleepless nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, but, you know,
1: the second we opened our doors and you saw, you know, 25 farmers lining up to to have their product dried, um, and you see, you know, 10, 20 semi-trucks coming in and out every day, you know that you have something that Mm-hmm. um, is useful and, you know, is, is profitable. And, um, So you know,
0: the, de- so the demand was there, you, kn- you knew that if you could just get operations set up and get the equipment you needed, you knew you would have the clients. If you could just get started.
1: The, the belief was that, yeah, but you know, we were trying out new, new equipment, equipment that we had just designed. So there's no guarantee mm-hmm. that all that was going to work, but we <sighs> went to the right people to get it done and, um it was very quickly understood that it was a huge need and we kind of had placed ourselves right in the the center of the Willamette Valley so we were in a good spot for where all the growing was happening and it just you know sometimes you're in the right place at the right time
0: so for the, for the listeners a kind of a layman's term overview so Columbia Hemp Trading Company basically is a Processing center? How how would you describe it in a couple of sentences, basically?
1: Well, it's a physical marketplace for hemp. Okay. Um, And we primarily aggregate local Oregon farmers. Okay. Um, We support them by contracting out harvesting if they need it and transportation, bringing that to our facility, drying the biomass to stabilize it. So we get it to, you know, a 10% moisture content to stabilize it. Mm-hmm. And then some farmers elect to keep that product with us. And we densify that into a crude oil and we sell it for them. I and see. We do that on splits. And so we're a service provider primarily. Um, but as we look into the future, we're really looking at, you know, how to build an agronomy program to get more stable inputs into our systems and And how do we continue to go down the road of refinement and formulations?
0: Now, you said there was a line of farmers at first, and I'm visualizing that. So does that mean there was a bunch of folks up there growing hemp, but there was nobody to process for them? There no no facilities in place to process or not enough? To
1: to dry primarily, yeah. So in a small acreage, let's say up to 10 acres, you can hang that in a barn and it's going to dry really nicely over – Two weeks. Okay. But as you scale, that that is no longer an option for you. And so if you're doing 25 a hundred acres, you really need to find a more industrious kind of process. And that's what we provided.
0: Are there any farmers growing tens of thousands of acres yet? Or that's or it's still a hand crop and that's not possible?
1: The largest single planting I've heard of was about four thousand acres this year, okay. um, which is pretty big. Um, I'd say the biggest farmers we worked with, you know, we did a little contract farming that was about 200 acres and we have a couple of customers that were in that five to 700 acre range. Okay. Um, but still we're seeing, I would say on average 30 to maybe 60 acres.
0: And why is that? Why Why don't you drive down the highway right now and see a thousand acres of hemp like you do corn? Why Why hasn't that happened yet?
1: Well, it's expensive for one to get into. Um, you're okay. still a buck a seed to to plant, mm. um, and you're planting, you know, maybe two thousand plants a seed. So, your cost per acre for your inputs is four or five thousand dollars, and you know that's a very big cost. And I see. And the trade financing's not there, but also it's such a new industry. Um, we haven't quite figured out how to do it perfectly yet and it's okay. going to take some time you know the, the harvesting's not there all the you know there's still a lot of debate on what's the best way to grow it and what's the right spacing and all these different factors and I'll be honest it's it's a challenging plant you know it's it, it provides <laughs> all the challenges you you know you get from maybe corn and weed and all these different ag products, put all those challenges and put them together. And and that's
0: cannabis. (laughs) Is it true? Um, when I say uh, hand crop, I I think I heard that term from somebody. So you can't harvest it with big machines and things like that. Right. Is that correct? Uh, no, we, we
1: absolutely do mechanical harvesting.
0: You do. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know if it was at that point. I, you know, for the listeners. Okay. So you can, all right. I, And then what about, can you educate the listeners on this too? I find this fascinating. Isn't there a major problem with the male, the male plants, uh, you know, impregnating the female plants, so to speak, and messing up an entire crop? How does that work? Can you just give a a little overview there?
1: Yeah. And I'm probably, you know, I don't want to get over my skis here. I'm not.
0: Right. Yeah. Me either.
1: But, you know, cannabis is interesting in that you have male and female plants um, and, what we are primarily planting in the field is feminized seeds. Okay. Um, What you tend. So and when you plant that you're about one in 4,000 seeds will pop male. And so you actually have to get out into the field and you have to go hunt those males.
0: Like physically, like, like, like a guy walking around.
1: (laughs) They make drones for it now, but yeah, Yeah. Getting out there, looking at, you got to yank that out of the field. Because it will, you know, start to kind of make your female plants hermaphrodite, right? And so wow. they'll start to have seeds mm. and they'll lower their production. Mm. But it was actually found, they did some experiments. Good, um, there's a really good Netflix show on this that kind of simplifies it. But they did some trials a long time ago and they separated the plants. And when they separate them, you saw the female plants just continue to produce flowers hmm. to try and attract the males. Oh, I see. And so that, you know, what, once they get pollinated, they stop producing the flower. Okay. Um, so, so what you're trying to do is create a separate environment for them, get the males out of there. Um, mm-hmm. And that comes down to, you know, your genetic selection, making sure you're going with a trusted seed provider. Okay. And then making sure you're getting out into the field and removing the males.
0: Now I'm having this visual. I, I'm i visualizing a drone flying around and like it dives down with a little like, uh, you know, a cutter device, a cutting device or something, and like slicing the ma- I mean, How does that work? Uh, no,
1: no. I think it just <laughs> kind of points and says, you know, we've identified <laughs> seeds on this plant. I now see. Go walk your fields and find it. Okay. Uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> man, that sounds expensive from a payroll perspective. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. now, now, yeah, I'm starting to understand now why there aren't massive fields everywhere of hemp yet. Um,
1: okay. It'll get that way. It'll get that way, I think, as, you know, just last week we had the USDA come out with the rules and regulations, and that's providing a framework for people to start planning to or mm. against, and
0: mm.
1: pretty soon you're going to really see some of the bigger guys getting into it, um, you know, they're kind of dip their toe into it, but you'll see it.
0: I will tell. I will tell you. I live in a little farm town, basically here in Colorado. Um, mm-hmm. I live in between Fort Collins and Denver in a little town called Johnstown. And down at the local tavern where I happen happen to go every once in a while, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll see some of the local farmers. And I flat out asked one of the guys the other day. I said, "Well, how come you're not, you know?" planting hemp why are not you try uh, trying hemp and he said he said what you spoke to earlier he said hey man he's like i got friends that they can't find a place to process it they planted a bunch they didn't didn't know where to take it couldn't get it anywhere blah 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 and so yeah um so and by the way so why aren't there more facilities like yours like why hasn't i don't know why aren't there a bunch of these places like Columbia. You're yeah.
1: starting to see them pop up. And, you know, I, I've visited a couple in Colorado actually. Um, okay. But it's just such a nascent industry still. You know, it's just, we need time to develop these things. Um, we saw a few people, you know, more kind of competitors trying to get up and running this year. And uh-huh. I very much take the position of, you know, sharing resources to help people get up and, and going because as an industry, we need to collaborate to find the best solutions right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and my company, you know, I have two facilities in Oregon. We maybe helped three to 5% of the Oregon market. Wow. Okay. We brought in, you know, probably 2000 acres. So even if 10 of me popped up in, in Oregon, there's still plenty of work for everybody. Um, Mm-hmm. Now I think there might be some farmers that don't make it to next year, unfortunately. Uh, but the demand for drying and harvesting and, and storage is still gonna be there.
0: So, okay. Okay. Did you uh did you risk everything personally when you bootstrapped this or, or how far how far out did you extend yourself? Was it was it like chips all in the middle of the table or, or what?
1: <laughs> I mean
0: what other way is there to live, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, do you, have, do you have, do you have, family at home depending on you to uh, bring home? To...
1: Oh, no, okay. I'm, I'm fortunate in that regard. Okay. Uh, All right. Me, but so if you, if you, you start,
0: if you starve, you're just starving yourself. It's okay. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, um, you know, I, I like, again, I'm a glutton for punishment. And so, But when I got into this, you know, I had a pretty good job, well-paying job. And the idea was to do both, Ah. run this, to manage the other one, and then merge them in. Mm. Um, But it was, you know, as any true startup is, you know, six months without pay and just trying to make it through and um, came out the other side. So that's good.
0: What advice would you give people that want to get into cannabis? Um, executives you know let's just use uh, I, I don't know let's say there's an executive who uh, works for I don't know Home Depot or Pepsi or whatever I don't know they, and they think they want to get into cannabis and they're at a they are at a VP level maybe or up what advice would you give those folks
1: oh good question um, hmm. I mean definitely do your homework you know um, I think that's the first thing is understand the industry, um, understand where you fit into the industry. Um, I think there's a lot of companies out there and, and there's, we're kind of see a trend of, you know, the people that are telling the story and they're, and they're big and they're loud, but they may not be managed mm-hmm. really popular, um, properly mm-hmm. and, and as you're if you're an executive coming from a seasoned company like pepsi or or home depot you're used to pretty regimented you know meetings and financial Mm -hmm. reporting and all these things and you have to understand that this is a really new industry um with a lot of young operators some are seasoned but some are young and so you you should do your homework to understand the environment you're putting yourself in um Mm -hmm. so there's no surprises there and and um you know, we've kind of taken the approach I mentioned earlier of finding those translatable industries, whether it be biofuels or organic foods, finding people that have been executives in those companies to help us bring structure and organization to our company. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to be, you know, smarter and, and you see that with the big firms out there. Um, But I think it would be a, a, you know, an oversight to think that every cannabis company out there is ran in the most you know, structured um, way because they're all new.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And and not to, you know, for the listeners, not, not, to, not, not a slam on the industry overall or anything like that, but the reality is there are a lot of outfits that, yeah, they're just, they're not ran very well and you got to be careful. You got to make sure you really do your homework, understand who you're going to work for, find out as much as you can before you sign up. You know, I mean, that goes for any industry really, but uh, cannabis even more so from what I've seen. With that said, there, there, there are some outstanding operators out there and, and it's to your point, more and more executives coming into the industry, you know, from outside the industry every day and, and it's getting stronger and stronger. What, what's harder for you? Is it, is it, it, are people the hardest thing or regulations tougher if you had to rank the two being in the industry?
1: People for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, my, my leadership team, we, I think we have about 30 plus years of combined regulatory cannabis experience, which is a lot Mm -hmm. uh, being that it's only five, six years old. And it's certainly easier on the hemp side, you know, with it being federally legal. Um, But the most difficult part right now is there's so much uncertainty on like supply contracts and, and, you know, available product and, and even the the figures to tell you where the industry is currently at. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's really difficult to kind of get, get the big deals done right now um, and, and work with everybody and, and try and come to structured agreements. You know, you're creating all this stuff from scratch. It's the management's definitely the more difficult part.
0: When Jacob is interviewing somebody, mm-hmm. what's he looking for? What kind of character traits or personality is he looking for to make sure that somebody is going to fit into Col- Columbia hemp trading company's culture?
1: Yeah. I look over to my HR partner and make sure she's smiling. And <laughs> 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 yeah. But um, no, it, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's all about culture for me. You know, I think we've built something where we have employees um, and operators that are just, you know, they'll do anything to kind of make sure this, this thing keeps going and and we Mm -hmm. challenge them and they always respond in a positive manner. And so we want to make sure as we bring people in, especially on the executive level that they, you know, they share in kind of our ethos of where this can go and and that they, they help us continue to build the culture in a positive manner and don't come in with, you know, trying to be a hammer. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the biggest thing that I look for. Um, you know, we're at a point now where really the hirings that I'm involved with are, are at the manager level, um, and so it's very much you know it's very important to me that they're instilling their past experience, but also sharing the culture because we believe the plant has a ton to offer the industry, but um, we got to do it responsibly.
0: If if you needed to hire a VP of sales and you had two people in front of you with similar resumes would you take the person that worked for coca-cola and no no cannabis experience or would you take the person that had cannabis experience and had worked for smaller startups which one would you take if the resumes were even and they both matched the culture the same Mm,
1: it's a great question um my my current VP of sales has been a bit of bridge between the both, so it's it's a hard one. Um,
0: that's nice if they do right. I mean, yeah, if yeah. they if they have startup experience and they worked for Coca Cola and they had worked for a cannabis outfit before, yeah. I mean, boom, there you yeah. go.
1: <laughs> now he's amazing in that regard. Um, where we're at as a company today, I would probably take, you know, the person that's been at scale. Okay. Um, what we find sometimes difficult is taking those that haven't seen operations at scale Mm -hmm. and trying to open, you know, their mind to no, here's the way it needs to be put into place. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a really good approach of ours is finding those, you know, seasoned professionals that have been there and done that Mm -hmm. and then teaching them the cannabis side. Mm -hmm. That's something that's in our wheelhouse to do um, because as operators and and owners, we haven't always seen things at scale. Uh, We need, outsiders to show us that pathway.
0: If you can but, if you can keep those people if you can keep their head from popping off the first 6 months they're in it, right? Like I we we put a <laughs> we put an executive from a big time oil company into a cannabis outfit and as hard as I tried to tell him what he was walking into, as much as I tried to explain it you know, 45 days in, he's calling me on the way home going, what the hell did I sign up right. for?
1: <laughs> well, and that's where, you know, transparency comes into play and, right? and ensure yes. that you're you're doing a um, a decent courting period and, and you're bringing yes. them on and involving them in your management meetings and opening the door because, you know, you don't want someone to come in and then be a disruptive
0: um and, and not be happy there. That's right. not good for so. Right, right. So let me ask you this, Jacob, you could, you you still can, and you could have just went to work for a VC or a PE firm and been one of those operational guys that goes into a company they just funded and stand it up or maybe turn it around if it was the PE firm. Like you could still do that for a living right now. You could, you could do that and just be a hired gun to work for a PE firm. And yeah. uh, and by the way, you probably make a hell of a lot more money than you're currently making. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, yeah. Why Why not do Why not do that? That's a That's a much safer job, right? Why not just do that? Yeah. Why 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 risk everything doing what you're doing?
1: You know, I think I get excited by the potential of of what you can build. Um, on one hand, and then the other hand is I'm not the best employee. You know, I,
0: Why Why do you say that?
1: Uh you know stuck in my ways and in a lot of, in a lot of regards and, uh, opinionated. And I, you know, I like to do things my way and my other owners are, are very much the same way, but we collaborate well. And, uh, you know, for me it's I've always kind of not always taken the path of least resistance, you know, it's you, what's you, challenging and what's hard and let's go yeah, after
0: that. Yeah. You, 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 uh, you know, you come across as a very, reserved stable like a very stable guy like hey i'm just kind of i'm right here i'm on cruise control but deep down you like living on the edge a little bit you like you, you i think you get the rush from that am i wrong
1: no it's a very good characterization <laughs> you know i i like kind of getting knock down a little bit, puts it on my shoulder and, and that helps us drive forward. And, you know, when you're backs against the wall, I think you make probably your best decisions. And so
0: that's uh, great. That's great. Well, I'm, I'm super happy for you. I know we, we've we known each other for a while now, and I know some of those moves you went through. I really admire the risks that you've, you've taken. I mean, um, not, not a lot of people have the guts to do it, my friend. And so I appreciate it. It's yeah. uh it's a wild
1: ride, but it's, <laughs> You know, if I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be doing something very similar, you know, in in another industry, taking the taking the chance and yep. seeing what I can make for myself. So um but last,
0: last question. What what's um what's Jacob's core purpose in life if you had to put it in a sentence or two? Kind of mm-hmm. a deep, kind of a deep question, but if you had, if you really had to kind of if you think about you know so every once in a while you wake up and you go okay what, what am I doing here on this planet you know what's my real purpose in life what what's Jacobs?
1: Hmm. It's deep. I've been thinking a lot about that lately. You know, I'm I'm getting older, and you know, yeah. what is my ethos and and what's important to me? Um, I think for the most thing that the thing that kind of drives me right now is finding a way to support my family and not my kids or wife or anything, but my sisters and and my Ah. parents and making sure that, you know, if they need be, there's support there. Um, That's more important to me than anything. Um, And then beyond that, you know, I, yeah, I I would say that's it. That's the core thing for me.
0: So if you were able to build this thing up and sell it or, You know whatever someday and walk away with a a nice chunk of change if you could go over and you know i don't know buy your folks a a a nice farm out in oregon somewhere and hand it to your parents like that would be huge for you
1: yeah and and they do just fine by themselves you know but i want to make sure that you know my sister and her kids and and their families are you know don't have to stress about kind of the you know everything in life. And, and I'm a ways from that for sure. But, you know, I think it's within my capacity to get done and I like the pain and, and I think, you know, even if this is successful, I'll probably dive right back into the next startup and yeah. treat it that way. But, um, you know, for me, that's always been kind of a driving
0: factor. So I love it, man. I, I admire what you're doing and I respect it for sure. And, and I'm happy for you.
1: I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for being on the Rider Flex Podcast. Um, let's um, let's stay in touch. I appreciate great advice by the way, and really cool story for the listeners. So that, appreciate you having me on the show. Thank Thanks you, sir. Thank you. Thank and you. and let, let's connect soon. If you're if you're in Denver or anywhere in Colorado, call me. Let's let's connect. We'll
1: do. All, All
0: right, right, buddy. All right, buddy. Have Take care. Bye bye. The Rider Flex Podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. Our show can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening, and if you enjoy our show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes.